Hey, good morning, everybody, and welcome to Say This and Not That, the Labor Day edition. Together, this summer, we've been trying to understand the power of our words, the words we speak to others, the words that have been spoken to us, and the words that we sometimes incorrectly and often too often speak to ourselves. Now, it was James, the half-brother of Jesus, who warns us that the tongue, because it's so hard to control, it corrupts the whole person and it sets the whole course of one's life on fire. The writers of the Scriptures, both the Old and the New Testament, guys, they warn over and over regarding the power of our words, but maybe nowhere more succinctly than in the ancient book of wisdom known as Proverbs, where the writer puts it this way, the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. You see, guys, our words can bring life or death to others and to ourselves, quite literally. They can be dangerous, and in some cases, maybe even deadly weapons. And it's those deadly kind of words that I want to talk with you about this Labor Day weekend. So what's it going to be? What's going on the grill this afternoon? Hamburgers, hot dogs, corn on the cob? What's your summer holiday grilling go-to? Now me, I've never met a burger that I didn't like. Well, I mean, check that. I, I had something called a Beyond Burger once that I really wasn't very thrilled with. Burgers are good, but they're not addictive. You want to know what's addictive? Fries. Fries are addictive. The other night, Joan and I were driving home from somewhere. It was late in the evening, and we hadn't had dinner, so I, I said, hey, why don't we drive through McDonald's? And, you know, I, I ordered my big, gross, disgusting full meal, and Joan got something very reasonable and small and girly, and I sat my big old fry thing right down in the middle of, uh, of the dashboard so I could eat them while I drive, and I might have reached in there two or three times, and suddenly all the fries were gone. Because Joan had a fry issue. See, these things with all of their salty goodness are just so addictive even when you're trying to eat a salad. Like, you have one, the next thing you know, you've had 101. These, my friends, are tasty, choice little morsels for my soul. Which reminds me, actually, of something I wanted to share with you that happened while I was picking these babies up. So I'm in line, just kind of minding my own business, getting my sermon prompt. When all of a sudden, off to my left, I see, well, I don't really see it first. I, I hear these two women, their voices start raising, and they kind of start going after each other. Started off, kind of pleasant conversation. I heard they were talking about their, where their kids were going to be back to school this week and how the first day of school was going to be different this year than any other day or any other first day. They agreed with one another until one woman told the other woman that her kids actually weren't going back to in-person school, that they'd chosen to go 100% virtual. Well, the other woman told her something like, we thought about that option, but we just believe it's more important for our kids to be socialized and with other kids and not just isolated in our little Chester bubble at home. Plus, then she went on to say she didn't think there was much risk for kids anyway. Well, of course, and the other one disputed the risks for children in schools and said something like, quote, 
I just don't understand how you think it's all right to force your kids to wear a mask all day. That's just cruel. And I thought to myself, uh-oh. And you guessed it. One thing led to another. The next thing I know, I'm giving my story to the nice Chester policeman in my role as eyewitness to the assault. Guys, it was unbelievable. Actually, that's not the most unbelievable part. You want to know what the most unbelievable part is? You're not going to believe who the two women were. I'm going to tell you in a second. But now I have your interest peaked. And, and, and before I tell you, let me ask you just a simple question. And I really want you to grab hold of it while you're emotionally invested. Why is it that right now you're dying to know who they were? I'll tell you why. Because like your beloved pastor, who just made that whole story up, you and I, we are broken human beings. And there are a few things in all of the world that broken human beings like more than a good fry. But one of them is good gossip. Proverbs chapter 18. The words of a gossip are like choice morsels. They go down to the inmost parts. Welcome, guys, to Say This and Not That. This week, say good and not gossip. Say good and not gossip. Say good, speak good of another, don't gossip about another. And I'm going to tell you why, and I'm going to tell you not how, how not to do that in a minute, and how to do it. But before I do, I want to get at the core issue here. Why did you want to know who those two ladies in the Wendy's were so bad? Why were you so interested? Why, as the proverb writer nailed it, is gossip for you and I like a tasty morsel? Why do we love it so much? Why does it have so much power that it makes its way down into our inward parts? That french fry, in my own mind, I justify it as a vegetable and I can't stop eating them, but it's killing me. These things, gossip, it makes our way into the inner parts, the place, the area the scriptures refer to as our hearts. And now here's the thing. I chose this topic for Labor Day because Labor Day not only marks the end of summer, but every four years, it marks the beginning of something else. <clears throat> Anyone know what that is? That's right. It's the unofficial kickoff to our presidential campaign cycle. Just what 2020 needed to cap off the year, right? A presidential election. If you thought masks could tear us apart, you haven't seen anything yet. And I hope I have you convinced at this point, after all these weeks this summer, that your words have the power to impact your life and the lives of others, like few other things. But guys, today I want you to know this. Your words also have the ability to impact your destinies, your eternities. Words matter, guys. This is not a light summer series. They matter here, and they matter forever. Let me show you what I mean. Matthew was a first-century Jew turned tax collector working for the Romans and oppressing his own people in Israel. Matthew, who in his day would have been considered both a traitor and chief sinner, this same Matthew 
Jesus walks up to him one day at his tax collector booth, and he gives him the opportunity of a lifetime, an opportunity that one day in the future actually would cost him his life, the opportunity to follow him and to become one of his students, his disciples. Well, it's this student of Jesus named Matthew who records this story. He writes, a large crowd followed Jesus, and he healed all who were ill. Then they brought him a demon-possessed man who was blind and mute, and Jesus healed him so that now he could both talk and see. And all the people were astonished and said, could this be the son of David? Now, if you have ever read the Bible before, crowds following Jesus, even if you've never read the Bible before, crowds following Jesus and Jesus healing sick people, there are stories you'd be familiar with. The question of the people, though, at the end, you might not understand. The people, upon seeing Jesus do miracle after miracle, they began to ask a very simple question. Could this be the son of David? And what they were asking had to do with a prophecy regarding the Messiah that all of Israel was waiting for. That prophecy, as voiced and written by several Old Testament prophets, was that Israel's Messiah, their Savior, their ruler, their priest and king, maybe in today's you know, verbiage it would be their president, he would come from the line and lineage of Israel's greatest historical king, King David. And so they begin to ask, is this our new king? Is this our new savior, our new priest? Which isn't really a threatening question, unless you are those people's current kings and priests and presidents, which is what the religious sect known as the Pharisees were in those days. They were the rulers and the priests of the day. And this Jesus, this Jesus is a cultural, religious, and political threat to their pleasures, their postures, and their positions. And so, what do we do when someone threatens our pleasures, our postures, and our positions, or our politics? Well, like in some sense, one party or another does every four years. Well, Matthew records it. But when the Pharisees heard this, they said, it's only Beelzebul, the prince of demons, that this, fellow that this fellow drives out demons. What do we do? We destroy others with gossip, rumors, and innuendo. Heck, we don't even just use innuendo. We can just be like the Pharisees. He's just pure evil. He's the devil. Now, why do we do this? Why do we destroy others with our gossipy words? Well, Jesus nails it, as usual. And it's not the gossip that's the deep-rooted problem. It's where the gossip is originating in the innermost parts. Check out what Jesus says to them. He goes, make a tree good, and its fruit will be good. Or make a tree bad, and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognized by its fruit. Turning to the Pharisees, I imagine, he looks at them and says, you brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything good? Listen up, church. For the mouth speaks of what the heart is full of. In other words, it's not a gossip problem. It's a heart problem. Jesus goes on, he says, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. And now, I want you to get ready for this. And remember, 
Don't shoot the messenger. But here come the implications of our words, the ones that we speak, but not only speak, the ones that we write, the ones that we type, and the ones that we post. Please, please, church, hear this now. Jesus says, but I tell you, everyone will have to give account on the day of judgment for every empty word that they have spoken. For by your words, you'll be acquitted, and by your words, you'll be condemned. Guys, you don't think this issue of our words is serious? You don't think God cares about what you whisper to a friend or or post on your page? The words there in the NIV that translate empty words, in other places they are translated as idle words or careless words. And I have to tell you, in all of my years, I have never seen more idle or careless words spoken than I have in the last few months. More rumors spread, more innuendo insinuated, more conspiracies propagated than I have in the last few months. And we will have to give an account one day for every one of these words spoken, written, typed, whispered, or posted. As followers of Jesus this morning, we should know by now to be, as, as James has tried to teach us, quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. It was the writer of Proverbs who said, I love this, watch your tongue and keep your mouth shut and you'll stay out of trouble. See, that's what we're told. That's what we're commanded. But yet, yet it was Ed Stetzer who today holds the Billy Graham Distinguished Chair of Church Mission and Evangelism at Wheaton College. And he's also the executive director of the Billy Graham Center. It was Ed Stetzer who had to write the following journal to Christians spreading corona conspiracies. Gullibility is not a spiritual gift. Now listen, guys, before you think I'm getting all political on you, this is not a left or right issue. This is not a Republican or Democrat issue. Every side does this. Everybody does this. Do you want to know why? Because this is a heart issue. And unfortunately, as people of truth and light, we sometimes are the worst at this. See, at the end of the day, we gossip and spread rumor and innuendo. We like to hear gossip and rumor and innuendo because we have a heart issue. And in our brokenness, rumor and innuendo does one thing, one powerful thing. It lowers others and elevates us. You see, I'm going to post this because it'll prove that I'm right and they're wrong. You see, I'm going to tell you this because when I do, you'll see that I'm good and they're bad. You see, I might whisper about this, and I know I'm not perfect, but once you hear about them, you'll see they're worse. I might drink too much, they drink a lot more. My kid might be out of control. But did you hear what her son did? And church, you need to know this. 
God hates gossip. He hates it. How do I know? Well, back to Proverbs chapter 6. There are six things the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to him. You know what two of those things are? A false witness who breathes out lies and one who sows discord among brothers. If you've been around the church for any amount of time, you might know Paul's letter to the church in Rome. Chapter 1 gets brought up quite a bit because there Paul lists what the unregenerate man is like, what we are like in our brokenness, in our humanity, without the Holy Spirit regenerating us, without being born again with the life of Christ. If you know Romans chapter 1, there's a big list of sins there, and we use them all the time to tell people how, how they're living incorrectly and what they're doing, how it's abominable to God. But do you know what's right there in the middle of it? Paul tells them, speaking of broken human beings, they've become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They're full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They're gossips. They're gossips. Why does he hate it so much? Well, it's funny. Some of you, if you're sports fans, especially if you're a New York Met fan, we've essentially had one great player in our history. Tom Seaver, and he passed away this week. And I was reading the story about how Tom got traded from the Mets in, in the late 70s. And essentially, it was because the Mets and him were in a contract dispute, and the, the you know, Mets GM was speaking to newspaper reporters trying to get them to write bad stories about Seaver. And they were writing bad story after bad story, and Seaver could take one after another. But finally, one day, they wrote a story about his wife, and he called the general manager and said, get me out of here. You see, gossip about me, I can handle that. Gossip about my wife or one of my kids, that's a problem. Do we realize, because I forget, that when we gossip, we're talking about one of God's kids. And I don't know if you know it or if you've ever thought about this, but he hears you. Now, there's another issue, though. Gossip. Gossip is nuclear in the sense that it destroys everyone that comes in contact with it. See, we tend to think, well, gossip, it, it only hurts the person who's being talked about. And certainly it does. I mean, have you ever been gossiped about? Uh, have you ever found out about it later? And if you have, and I have, you know how deeply that hurts. Most of the time, you just kind of hear about it through the grapevine. But the worst is, and I don't know if you've ever had this happen, the worst is when you accidentally walk into a room or conversation and they're actually gossiping about you. That's when it gets really awkward. And I mean, in my line of work, gossip just kind of goes with the job. If, if you're up front, gossip comes with the territory. And I walked in on one of those conversations the other day. Sitting in ShopRite, waiting the longest checkout line ever. And the guy ahead of me is taking his time and yapping with the girl at the register. Next thing I know, as I'm kind of grumbling about how long this is taking, I hear them begin to talk about church. And he mentions that he was going this weekend to another church in town here in Chester. And she then responded that she didn't go to church, but she was thinking about checking out Mendham Hills. And of course, my ears then kind of perked up. And 
Of course, here comes the gossip, right? He goes, oh yeah, he goes, I have a lot of friends that go to that church and they've heard good things and told me good things. And she said, yeah, I've heard the same thing. And then she goes, I, I, I couldn't believe it. She goes, and I hear the pastor looks just like Ryan Gosling. Awkward. You see, did I mention, not all gossip is bad. Oh, and, and next week's sermon will also be on speaking the truth because that wasn't it. Look, gossip, it obviously hurts the person who's being torn down. Proverbs 16, 28. A perverse person stirs up conflict and a gossip separates close friends. Nothing, nothing destroys families, relationships, workplaces, churches, and I think you're seeing it right now, even countries like gossip, slander, and innuendo. Gossip destroys careers. Gossip destroys reputations. Gossip destroys movements. Gossip eats the truth for lunch. Look what the Pharisees were trying to do to Jesus. But it's not just the person being gossiped about. You see, gossip impacts the listener. Again, back to the book of wisdom. Wrongdoers eagerly listen to gossip, and liars pay close attention to slander. Why? Because they're like tasty morsels that take deep root in the listener's soul. When you gossip, you're causing others to stumble. You're contributing to those morsels taking root in their heart. You're contributing to their sin. Now, finally, if you don't care about those other two reasons, then care about this one. You see, gossip is, is hurting you. Once more, back to Proverbs. And, and, and this book of Proverbs, this wisdom is otherworldly. I mean, I guess that actually it really is otherworldly. The writer says, when arguing with your neighbor, don't betray another person's secret. Others may accuse you of gossip and listen to this church. You will never regain your good reputation. You'll never regain your good reputation. Gossip destroys your reputation. Guys, when people gossip to me at this point in my life, you know what I have come to realize? They are likely not just gossiping to me, but they are likely gossiping about me. Don't blow your reputation. And for those of us who would like to be carriers of the message of Christ, this is even more important. When we gossip, when we spread lies or untruths or innuendos, when we post conspiracy theory stuff, which gets so easily debunked, why would the world listen to us about Jesus when we can't even fact check our posts? So what do we do? Well, believe it or not, my mom got it right. When it comes to gossip, all you have to do is what your mom told you years ago. Think before you speak.
And there's a great acronym here. Think before you speak. T-H-I-N-K. You should write this down. T, is it true? Am I sure it is true? Did I just hear about this, but I didn't see it? Did I not discover this? Did I not research this? Did I just repost this? Did I check another source? Do I know if it's true? And once I know for sure it is true, then we move down the acronym. You know why? And I heard it said this week, this is so good. It's not mine, but it's so good. Everything, as followers of Christ, as followers of Christ, everything we say needs to be true. It has to be true. But everything that is true does not have to be said. You know why? Because of H, T-H. Because what is said should be helpful. Is what I'm about to say going to be helpful in some way or form, or am I just saying it because it's helpful to me, to my status, to my point, to my ego? Is it helpful to the person I'm talking about? Is it helpful to the person I'm talking to? If it's only helpful to me, my point, my side, my benefit, I probably don't need to say it even if it's true. T-H-I. Isn't it inspiring? Paul told the Ephesians, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what's helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Is what I'm saying building someone up or tearing someone down? Because I might just need to shut up. T-H-I-N is what I'm about to say necessary. I'm just going to circle back to what I said before. Everything we say needs to be true. But everything that, we, that is true, we don't need to say. And finally, K. K, kind. Paul, again, to the Ephesians. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Just as, just as. Guys, there's those two words again. Do you know who could be the greatest gossip in the universe? Who has the ability, if he so chose? Jesus. Jesus Christ, in a very real sense, could be the greatest gossip in all of time. Think about it. Jesus knows everything there is to know about you. He knows every little tasty morsel. Not only does he know everything you've ever done. You know that business trip to Vegas, the hotel bar in Atlantic City, the one night at the frat house. Yeah, he knows all of that. But not just that. Jesus knows not just every action, but every thought you've ever had. I mean, man, you might look good. Heck, you might do a lot of good. But inside, you know it's not as good as it looks on the outside. Inside, 
There's a jealousy issue. There's an anger thing. There's contempt breeding. You, you just have learned to control it. He doesn't, maybe your husband, he doesn't know how you feel. Your wife, she has no idea. Your kids, they'd never guess. Your boss would be shocked. But Jesus knows. But today, this Labor Day Sunday, this morning, Jesus sits next to the Father on his throne, and he has every right to look at God and say, Dad, yeah, I know she got up for church this morning, but oh, Dad, you should see what's going on in her heart. Oh, 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 yeah, Father, I know he's watching the live stream in the living room tonight, but you should have seen what he had going on in the frat room the other night. He could be, but two things. The first is that God the Father already knows, but the second is this. Guys, Jesus, who could be the greatest gossip of the universe, instead sits next to his Father this morning. And well, according to what Paul told the Romans, Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is gossiping about us is interceding for us. The writer to the Hebrews put it this way, therefore he's able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives. Do you hear this? He always lives. This is the purpose of Christ to intercede for them and that's you. Today, this morning, in the kingdom of God, Jesus sits not gossiping about you but speaking well of you. Will you allow yourself to hear him? I, I know, Dad, but I was tempted like that too, Dad. Father, forgive him, for, for he knows not what he's done. Dad, that sin, I'll take that one too. Put that one on me, not on him. Guys, do you understand the gospel I heard someone put it this way this week. The, this, is, this is not mine, but it's so good. Gossip claims, I'm strong, they're weak. The gospel proclaims the news that I'm weak and he's strong. Here is the truth. When Jesus gets a hold of your heart, he has to get a hold of your mouth. Our words have the power of life and death so now today and over the next coming months. Please, before that first week in November, how will you use your words? For life or for death? Build one another up. Encourage one another while it is still day. This is what Jesus is doing right now for you before the Father. And now you go and do it for others. I'll close with this. I, I read it this week and I, I couldn't get it out of my mind because I would so love it said about me one day. This pastor was speaking about Tim Keller, one of the great theologians and, and pastors of our day. Pray for Tim Keller if the Spirit brings him to your mind. He's, he's battling pancreatic cancer as we speak. 
But here's what I saw written. It was written by Pastor Scott Sauls from Nashville, who had spent five years working with Tim at New York's um, New York City's Res- uh, Redeemer Presbyterian Church. He writes, there are many ways that he saw Kel- Keller model the gospel, but there's one thing that really stood out to him. Quote, Tim Keller is the best example I have ever seen of someone who consistently models the gospel. Why? Because never once did I see Tim tearing another person down to their face on the internet or through gossip. Instead, he seemed to assume, how crazy is this, the good in people. He talked about how being forgiven and affirmed by Jesus frees us for this, for catching people doing good instead of looking for things to criticize or be offended by. Even when someone had done wrong or been in error, Tim would respond with humble restraint and self-reflection instead of venting negativity and criticism. As the grace of God does, he covered people's flaws and sins. Sometimes he covered my flaws and sins. He did this because that's what grace does. It reminds us that in Jesus, we are shielded and protected from the worst things about ourselves. And because Jesus shields us like this, we should of all people be zealous to restore reputations versus destroying reputations, to protect a good name versus calling someone a name, to shut down gossip versus feeding gossip, to restore broken relationships versus begrudging broken people. Mendham Hills. This Labor Day weekend, enjoy the burgers, enjoy the hot dogs, but choose the right morsels. Say good and not gossip. I'll see you in person next Sunday morning.